0: Welcome to Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about our beloved series, Star Trek. You are listening to a previously recorded conversation. Peace and long life, Doctor. Live long and prosper. Welcome back to another exciting (laughs) episode of (laughs) Starfleet Boy, in which we have a casual and informal conversation And logical. And logical today, yes. And a logical conversation about Star Trek The Next Generation. And today's uh, episode, this is, I would consider this a very special episode of Starfleet Boy because uh, today's episode is Sarek. Sarek. Sarek, and there he is. So, what, tell us about that figurine. Oh, it's uh,
1: it's from the it, it's from the collection, you know, Playmates. It came out uh, came out probably in the nineties. And have you um, had
0: that figure that long, or is that one of your newer pieces?
1: This is one of one of the. This has been uh, it's one of the newer pieces. Nice. That I've acquired due to uh, your your <laughs> the, show here. It's your fault. <laughs>
0: the the burden I've placed upon you. Yeah, <laughs> although
1: although Sarek is probably a figure I would have wanted to have collected anyhow. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I never. I I don't know why I never bought him a. Maybe he just wasn't widely available.
0: There was that problem. I remember there were a couple times where I would go. You know, I was never the one waiting in line. At you know, or or hunting them down. But I remember Sarek was a scarce commodity, even even on that run. Okay,
1: yeah, maybe that's why. But uh, I happened to there was some uh, there was somebody who was selling like a bunch of them carted, and I say I, I said yeah, here we go. Here's the money. Let me have them.
0: <laughs> and I opened them all
1: up, and, and I think the the guy was horrified that I was opening them up.
0: I don't care. Yes, I had a. a many arguments with some of my friends who kept their toys in their boxes. Although... I might be guilty of that nowadays. (laughs) I have a
1: few that I keep in the box, but most of the stuff I open. But anyways,
0: (laughs) enough about that. Enough about that. Why don't we go straight to this awesome episode? Yeah, uh, Sarek, um, I guess we'll go right to the summary which uh, we'll do together. Shall we do this summary together, Captain? Shall we mind-meld? <laughs> Shall we join minds and conduct the summary together? That's such a terrible Sarek. I'm so sorry. Mark Leonard has such a great voice. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so the episode is uh, titled Sarek, and uh, it opens with Captain Picard uh, rather... Uh, thrilled or excited to be hosting um, a conference, a, a, um, a meeting between uh, what were they called, the Lagarans? The Lagarans, uh, yes. Yeah, and um, basically, Sarek has been working on uh, having a meeting with the Lagarans for, m- uh, for many, many
1: decades—ninety
0: years, I yeah. think, ninety plus years. Yeah. And so, this is the this is supposed to be the greatest moment of his career. Uh, one of the greatest one of the greatest in... moments yeah it's
1: the culmination right. I think I think it's being looked at as the culmination of his career is to finally bring the Lagarans to the Federation mm-hmm. have you looked them up by the way what they look like
0: no you should alright I'm gonna t- <laughs> we'll check it out during the show you have to remind me yeah um, anyways Picard's very excited to meet Sarek and uh to his surprise, however, uh, Sarek is not what he expected. Um, uh, an odd circumstance where his attachés beam ahead of him and give these kinds of disclaimers and warnings and saying that the ambassador you know, needs to be in seclusion and he doesn't want to be disturbed, et cetera, et cetera. And then he meets Sarek, and there's a slight uh, moment uh, where it appears that Sarek is actually annoyed uh, and and or even um, a little upset and angry uh, and it's very confusing to uh, the captain and you know anyways throughout the episode we're kind of getting more and more hints that something's not quite right uh, with Sarek and in addition to that um, uh, the, the condition he has is causing uh, uh, emotional outbursts among uh, several members of the crew uh, and <clears throat>
1: Including one of the best geordie Wesley scenes of all time.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> um, and also yeah, just a lot of uh, a lot of anger is being sort of beamed around the ship if you will and um, finally uh, it comes to a head where uh, Captain Picard realizes that he must confront the ambassador uh, and uh, let him know that he doesn't think he's fit to conduct the negotiations and that the negotiations should in fact be um, either delayed or possibly, you know, uh, dealt with someone else. Uh, This is completely unacceptable to Sarek, and unfortunately it causes Picard to push him over the edge in a gripping scene uh, where uh, Mark Leonard looks like he's, you know, so, like, upset. It was great. Anyways, uh, uh, it comes to a head, and then finally Sarek um, and uh, his new wife, Perrin, uh, (laughs) Uh, decide that uh, maybe there is a way. And so the captain and Sarek mind-melt. And Captain Picard takes all the negative uh, aspects of this condition, the outbursts of emotions, the intense feelings, while Sarek is able to conduct the negotiations free of that and, uh, you know, uh, fully fully himself. And that's the... Uh, that's the episode. Picard goes through it. He, uh, <laughs> of course, as Beverly, I see her there. <laughs> he goes through it, and we get some interesting insights on Sarek himself. And um, at the end of the uh, mission, the two, uh, somewhat fondly, I think, and you know, say goodbye to each other. And uh, we get a very fascinating little uh, follow-up to a great character in Star Trek. Um, uh, Pantheon, and uh, we have a, uh, uh, a kind of just new insight into like Vulcans as well with Bendai syndrome. That's it. That was a terrible summary, wasn't it? No, 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 no. <laughs> it was. It was. It was great. All it right. cut through the fat. <laughs> now let's explore the fat. <laughs> exactly.
1: Exactly. What'd uh, you think? You know, well. You know, I think you know, the, well, we've been very excited about talking about this episode for a while and I think uh, part of the reason is is, is uh, you know, Sarek even, he only appeared in a couple episodes, in the he only appeared in one episode in the original series and one episode in the animated series but I think fans our age really built up a, a uh, a dedication to Sarek because of the movies,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know. Mark Leonard did such an amazing job when he came back to the role and essayed it in Star Trek Three and Four. We've seen Three and Four up to this point now, and um, and
0: and he's in Star Trek Six, so he even finishes right
1: right with the right. with the crew. Right, <laughs> right. but but at, at this point, at uh, the airing of Sarek, we we'd only seen him up to Three and Four, and. Uh, the, he just brings, you know, he's, he, he's on screen briefly, but he just manages to just command the screen in those short, in, in those small scenes that he's in. And it's just that- a gravitas that, that that actor brought to the role. And, and it's, it's really compelling. And uh, I, I just can't imagine, and I, and I have yet to imagine any other actor who can play Sarek. I mean, who else can be Leonard Nimoy's father other than Mark Leonard as Sarek? Right, yeah. You know, I
0: mean... Well, and, and you know, funny thing uh, on the commentary uh, for Star Trek Four, which, when I watched that with a little side note here, when we watched the commentary together many years ago, I could have sworn it was just Leonard Nimoy, but when I listened to it again uh, more recently, it's it's Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner. Was that always the case? And I just somehow... yeah. I just somehow trans- it was.
1: They're edited it. in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those commentaries.
0: But uh, but they uh, they both remark uh, about Mark Leonard and uh, what an amazing uh, performer actor he is, and he he really is. He's he's had an illustrious career. Uh, and a lot of Shakespeare, and you could just totally tell because he has that kind of pedigree. And and, and that was actually one of the most delightful things about this episode was watching our two uh, Shakespearean legends here, uh, mm-hmm. Patrick Stewart, who is also very well-known for his uh, his uh, brilliant interpretations of Shakespeare as an actor. Um, yeah, it was just... Like to me, it was one of those episodes that is not only compelling in terms of the story. The writers did get it right, in my opinion. But regardless of what they were talking about, just watching the performances in this episode uh, was was delightful for me. So I yeah. <laughs> but going back to that uh, scene in in Star Trek IV in the commentary, both William uh, Shatner and Nimoy have this delightful moment, and they're like, "It is remarkable how much." Uh, resemblance there is between uh, Leonard Des Moines and Mark Leonard. Yeah, Um, right? Like they do look like father and son, it, it, it's very convincing,
1: <laughs> it truly is. It really is. Yeah,
0: Picard mentions that he was at Sarek's son's wedding, and they don't say Spock, but as far as I know, there's just Spock and Cybok, and Cybok's gone. So, is, is that what's do you know anything about? this? Well, like, I is, mean, I think there, at the are time, referencing something, I,
1: I think there may have been, and I don't know if this is in the comics or in the books. But there may have been something about Spock and
0: Savick. Right, okay, we've talked about that before. Right, That's but right. I, I, yeah. I
1: think this is just sort of the series just trying to be, you know, well, you know, we can't really go into it because if a later movie contradicts it, then we're, we're screwed. So,
0: Right, because they were playing it at, at a very kind of uh, interesting time where the two generations were playing at the same time. Right, exactly, exactly, yeah, yeah so
1: uh, but uh, going back to to the actor uh, Mark Leonard uh, you know he he w- he he was on he was a stage act along you know he w- he had a lot of stage roles and and I remember he he did he did stage work with with Walter Koenig oh um, I
0: forget what play uh, but let's, he, at, let's use our internet here he's
1: um so he just he is one of those actors that you, he 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 brings something of the quality that you've seen a lot of English actors. You know when when the the fact that you know English actors do stage, they do television, they do movies, and they have a lot of they they just know how to command the screen uh, and uh, very well for the most part. And 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 Mark Leonard definitely had that. And uh, um, now, of course, this episode is really the first time that I mean we we saw McCoy in the pilot but we didn't really know mu- you know much we didn't have much context as to well you know what is he doing what why is he even there you know I mean, other than to review the medical quarters or whatever, the the med bay or whatever on the Enterprise. But we didn't have much context for what is McCoy up to and what is the rest of the crew up to.
0: Yeah, I think, and I don't recall now, I wish I had a memory like this, but it was something like they were probably transporting him from one base to another, from one planet to another. No, he was there
1: specifically to review. just to
0: send her off, okay.
1: Right, yeah, exactly. So, and then he goes over to the hood. But... You know, Sarek, This the episode uh, represents the first time that Next Generation really delved deep into a character that we hadn't seen since the original show, which uh, right. I think shows uh, that the series was beginning to grow bolder and more confident in in its storytelling. Uh, that you know, we were, you know, we were learned more about Klingons. Uh, Little bit more about Romulans, but now here we go full into okay, Sarek, you know, one of the uh, most well loved characters from the original show. And uh, it was, it, it, it added a lot of depth to that character. And, and it's it's actually a, a very sad episode to watch. I mean, and it is really, very sad, yeah. It's a very powerful and uh, sad episode. It's
0: it's a it's also something that we many of us personally deal with with our uh, elders with our age as our as our elders begin to age um, some of them uh, start to experience basically bendi syndrome but it has other names than <laughs> like dementia mm-hmm. or alzheimer's you know or whatnot and there's that really lovely kind of moment where picard and Riker and data are talking about it actually and picard's remarking about how you know time just this is actually kind of interesting because later we we see his views you know on time being more like a companion but here he still kind of sees the ravages of time taking their toll on you and 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 he sees it as like um you know that that's the one thing that humans with all our technology can't seem to Uh, stave off you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) and mind you in in the next generation humans have like incredibly longer lives and medical you know much more comfortable lives than than what we imagine you know things that we can't even imagine at this moment like you know right now it's a record if you live into your early hundreds you know (laughs) so right um and very rare but um i would say that and then I liked that even Data has a sense of mortality because he even mentions that it's possible for... It would be, of course, over a much longer period of time, but even his own uh, hardware could eventually fail mm. and start to, you know... So, you know, it's, it's it's a really cool concept. And I think they handle it really well because it's you're taking an iconic uh, character and really giving him a story here that... Is sad, like you said, you know, and it could have been handled in a way that, that made it, um, unfeasible unfe- to us as fans. Like that's not, that can't be the fate of Sarek of Vulcan, but here you actually do accept it. And again, obviously because Mark Leonard is insanely great, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, as an actor and he just sells it beautifully. Like it's just, you trust Mark Leonard to be Sarek. Like he, yeah. I think, in some situations an an actor just owns a role mm-hmm. so well yeah and and i think in this situation you're like well if mark Leonard is doing this great a job at performing these words then that is Sarek. that is who he is that is his story and it's it's perfect
1: yeah i mean you know we're, we're so used to seeing Sarek a certain way and then you know his performance has lots of nuances of when he's losing the control and, and emotion is creeping in, and and like as you alluded to, in the summary that that uh, Khan is, is really going crazy.
0: <laughs> I know we're having a quite a day today. Uh, <laughs>
1: that that scene but, where him and Picard mind meld. Well, no, before the mind meld, when Picard is is confronting Sarek. Oh right, correct. And. Uh, 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 you Picard. see the anger just just yeah.
0: boiling it's, it's, within it's,
1: him, and and it's a it's a battle of of logic and wits, and mm-hmm. you know Picard is trying his best, and and what's int- what's great is is how the episode you know very quickly in the beginning establishes how much ad- admiration and respect that Picard has for this man, you know right from the beginning, and right. for him to have to go and 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 tell Sarek that you know you, you may be endangering the mission I mean that that's that's well and then intense and then that
0: scene and that scene is great because he has to really like he has to push Sarek for him for Sarek to realize what's happening to himself because all this time uh, Amanda and um, not Amanda Mr., I'm sorry Perrin Perrin, Perrin and uh, we have to talk about this we do there. yeah <laughs> Perrin and Mister Mendoza and the young Vulcan uh, protege uh, have been keeping this condition at bay, and it so it's even been a, it's even been uh, it, it's been easy for even Sarek not to understand what's happening to him. And I do like th- I do love that scene where, um, and this scene is a pretty long scene because it starts with. Uh, Picard coming to uh, Perrin and and telling her he needs to speak with the ambassador, and then the ambassador walks in. Sarek walks in and he's like, uh, "If Picard wishes to see me, he may." You know, like it's just like a very like. By the way, that's the other thing that's so cool about Sarek is how noble he he comes across. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, Mark Leonard again. What you said earlier about the gravitas—it's like he's able to just be like. He conveys you know, so, it so
1: so naturally. Yeah.
0: So naturally, it's just oh, so wonderful. Okay, anyways, but but then you know it starts there, and in that little scene where you know his his crew basically won't respond, and then finally the the protege um, admits to to, it. and then you know Sarek's like, well, this has to stop immediately, and he's like, it would be unwise. He says, it would be unwise, but it is necessary, and it's so great because. It's a moment where you realize, like, you know, Sarek, Sarek st- is still a logical and sensible being. And he seems so, like, disappointed, but, like, understanding at that moment, too. He's like, I can't believe my trusted and most close uh, people have been doing this behind my back. But he realizes why they were doing it, too. So it's, it's very complex what's happening there. and It's beautifully played out great scene and then we switch to the scene where it's just Picard and 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 Sarek alone and when Picard just like pushes him he's like Sarek of Vulcan would not do this Sarek of Vulcan would not be this way and Sarek and then you just see Mark Leonard like he can't take it anymore and he just like gives that wonderful like emotional outbursts and even shakes it's like i was scared i was like mm-hmm. i was like oh yeah. my gosh is, you know is mark leonard gonna have a heart attack like you know like yeah. it, it was a very intense uh intense uh intense performance it uh, was it was and and it kind of you know now i think about it and it's like there are echoes of like this kind of thing with the uh, in the kelvin uh first the kelvin movie when when basically that's what kirk has to do to spock to make him realize that he is in fact emotionally compromised in the situation and he's not making decisions correct like you you know and and it's kind of a similar type of vibe there where where kirk has to push um spock to the edge (laughs) um (laughs)
1: I didn't need that detour into the Calvin universe. Uh, oh my
0: gosh, it's another universe. It is another universe. It's uh, another universe. It's
1: well established that it's another universe. D- yeah, <laughs> I mean, to talk about about Perrin now, I remember, I still remember the shock at seeing <laughs> Sarek had married another. I was uh, another I was, image, uh, Yeah.
0: I was fully outraged and upset when I was younger.
1: It was it was sort of it was like uh, I'm gonna compare it to when when Hume Cronin <laughs> yes. started dating somebody after Jessica Tandy was, uh, I know, her I passing. Was, I was like,
0: what? What the fuck? You know? I, yeah. It it did not. My, her, the, uh,
1: the body's not even cold,
0: man. <laughs> um, yeah. Fucking Hume Cronin. Uh, do you, think it's, uh, do you think it's out of character now, though, as an as a older person? Do you think that having... What, what do you think?
1: You know, it's funny. I was thinking about it actually last night because I, I, uh, I went to see Paul McCartney. And, <laughs> and he, he, he sings a song for his current wife. Who was there in the audience? And he says, "Oh, this is this is for my current, this is for my wife. I forget what her name is, Nancy or something. I don't know." And and we're like, you know, as like collectively, you can kind of feel like people are still like, "Who the hell's Nancy? Oh, Nancy. Oh, okay, all right." And he sings his song. You think
0: of Linda because you right, think of Linda
1: right, 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 right. So you're like, so, even though so Linda McCartney the, passed away like a, a long time ago, time ago, yeah. Uh, but still, uh, you know, you, you're just so. You just associate him so much with with Linda McCartney, and, and he, he you know he sings a really pretty song actually. It's called uh, "My Valentine" for the for her, and then then he goes into you know uh, "Baby I'm Amazed," and and he mentions Linda and the whole arena just like oh you know and yeah, they're just certain uh, situations like that where where. As an audience, you connect to to certain couples, and and certainly Amanda and uh, uh, Sarek was, was was is the Star Trek equivalent of that, I guess.
0: Of that, I guess sir. it's a really good point. Although not his first wife either, because apparently there was a Vulcan princess that he made well, it with. He made it, but I do not didn't necessarily marry. It's... We don't know the full story of Sarek as far as... I I mean, I don't know the full story of Sarek. Oh, I do. Okay, let's... I read... I read... uh,
1: (laughs) There's a novel called Sarek, which I felt compelled to read before we... You know, leading up to this. Yeah, yeah. And it's actually... I recommend it highly. It's a very interesting novel. Was it a
0: next-generation era novel?
1: No. It actually takes place... It takes place... A week and a half after Star Trek Six, <laughs> let me tell you that ending. Just... <laughs> that ending, th- a lot happens between <laughs> Spock saying "Go to hell" and them actually returning back to Starfleet and decommissioning. Wow. A lot happens. Cause there's at least three novels that I've read <laughs> that take place after Star Trek Six.
0: Wow, okay. And and
1: Sarek apparently is one of them. Uh, but there's a lot of flashbacks and it actually deals with the death of Amanda. And it's 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 really rather poignant and uh Sarek um, hang on though.
0: Uh-huh. But it, so is it is it then implied that Amanda dies somewhere between Star Trek four and Star Trek six? Is yes, that what the case is? Absolutely. Oh. Yes. Okay. Hmm.
1: She dies after Star Trek VI. Right after? Yes.
0: Oh, wow, okay.
1: Exactly. So she is ill, and then uh, Sarek is forced to go on a mission. And Sarek leaves Amanda's side. And Spock is greatly upset by this. Spock is with Amanda when she finally passes away. And he is... So it rekindles the anger. Because, I mean, this is the thing about... This is the thing about the episode, Sarek, that I, that always kind of... Not confused me, but I always just felt, well, there's more to this. Because Star Trek four features almost like a reconciliation, which feels a long time coming because it, it's from the original series all the way to Star Trek Four, we finally have father and son reconcile you know, coming together and, and understanding each other more and all that and forgiveness and all mm-hmm. that. But then when we get to the episode Sarek and Next Generation, we realize that they're estranged again and you're like, Well shit, what happened? What happened right. this time? Yeah, exactly. And um, it's obvious that Spock doesn't get along with with Perrin. And um, and Spock apparently harbors ill feelings because uh, he, uh, Sarek wasn't there uh, with uh, Wait, with so the man. So in the
0: novel, in the novel, Sarek ends starts at the end of Star Trek VI, and it goes on through the next generation. Is that what no, you're telling No, like no, the, no. It, oh, it, had, okay. it
1: kind of jumps around in time, but the main storyline deals with Sarek. Uh, it's actually kind of a kooky plot. He he, he learns that there is this race that he's been negotiating with for a long time, and they've been negotiating to enter the Federation for many many years. And it turns out that this entire race is a Romulan plot. They're actually Romulans, oh, wow. and they just they've never been the seen.
0: It's of one of the this. Romulans. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! It's it's amazing
1: when you're. It's like it's like kind of like Bowser Galactica. Like nobody had seen them, and suddenly they show up. And like wait a minute, what? This is what Cylons are. Um, it's the same scenario, and what's interesting is that Sarek always kind of suspected, and it's only because when he first dealt with this race, he was going through Ponfar, <laughs> Ponfar with Cybox like Princess. he was yes but he was far Whoa. away so he 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 actually like it was so strong that he collapsed like like he was just going insane and f- in his hysteria in his he he imagined that he saw Romulans but he was never sure, because he was in the throes of Ponfar, so he was never really sure of what that was. All he knows is that eventually he made it back to Vulcan, and Cybok happened.
0: Holy moly, Ponfar sounds intense.
1: Apparently. <laughs> like, well, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. He, he was, like, completely just, like, pfft, incapacitated by it. And... Um, <laughs> So, so th- suffice to say, this is a this is a really good, great novel, and it's a must read. But getting back to the episode, Sarik, um, I think it's interesting that Perrin is so. I I, I really like the relationship that they had. You know, she was very protective of him, mm-hmm. and uh, she had a, she she you know, she had some great scenes with Picard, um, and a lot of this pays off later on in, in Unification, which of course is is a semi not a sequel, but it picks up threads that are laid down here. I mean, you mm-hmm. almost can't I mean if you watch Sarek, you have to watch Unification. It, they're 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 part of the same story almost.
0: Right. And, uh, no, absolutely. no, I think they are actually and if I'm not mistaken uh, again, vague memories of things like so, yeah. You know, at this age, you get so much stuff in your head, you don't know what's uh, <laughs> what was when. Always, it's not readily available. But I do recall like these, uh, especially on VHS, you would get these box sets mm-hmm. that had different themes, and I think one of them was like the vul- like the Spock, Sarek, the whole this whole like thing that goes on for you know that that is addressed in a few episodes, and you can kind of watch them one after the other and like it's easy to see them as a continuation of one another
1: oh yeah yeah absolutely and, and you know I mean I have right now I have the blu-ray of unification and I really wish it had brought as a bonus Sarek because you you, almost, yeah, you need that right? it's almost like Rogue One now the way it's connected to, to New Hope it's like yeah, you can't true. watch one without the other. Now you know. I, th-
0: yeah, it's really uh, lovely how that happens when when you have a great episode like this. Like this, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, it does become part of a larger uh, a larger story. Um, wow, very cool. I did not know about all that stuff. <laughs> well, I like Perrin, too. Actually, I didn't mind. I I didn't mind her this time around. I think uh, I think I understand because now I've seen you know, probably back then in, in high school I, w- I was so opposed to it because in many ways you know uh, you see some of these characters as your own parent you see parts of your own parents in them you know and I definitely would have been upset if my father uh, <laughs> yeah of course yeah it's natural uh, you, know, it, you know, would have uh, she's a stepmom. Yeah, exactly. She's basically a stepmom. And we, we all relate through Spock, so it's kind of a natural thing. But now I, now in watching it again, I didn't mind her at all. And I thought she was, like you said, I thought the, the actress did a great job at her performance, of course. And then it's very convincing that both of them, uh, there is, there's a bond. There's a you know a love between them. And you know what? I don't think Amanda would have wanted Sarek to live alone uh, after her death. Uh, and that's an interesting thing too. It's like you know, Vulcans have. Do you know what the Vulcan lifespan is? The like he's in his two hundreds and he's starting to show signs of aging. So do they go into their two fifties or three hundreds? Maybe.
1: I don't know. I I would guess so, but I'm I'm, I'm really not sure. I mean, you know, obviously the the Bendai syndrome is is not natural. I mean, you know, it's it's sort of it. It's a rare condition. So it's conceivable that he could have been that old and still been, you know, uh, in full full faculties. So, yeah, I mean, who knows I, I'm not really I'm, I'm unsure of how long they live. Spock seems I mean, Spock seemed to live for almost forever.
0: Uh, yeah, well, apparently, um, uh, it looks like just a. Cursory glance here on the internet that around 200. So so Sarek's definitely quite aged as a Vulcan. Um, yeah, interesting, fascinating. fascinating. <laughs> and
1: now the the Bendis syndrome, uh, of course, has, reperca- you know, has repercussions around the ship, which in, in kind of counterpoint to to counterweight to the, the very dramatic. Uh, in some cases, sad and tragic uh, plot of and you know, going through this through this uh, this syndrome. You have the crew uh, bickering and fighting, and it's. I have to admit, it's it's kind of humorous. I mean, when Jordy and Wesley just kind of. I mean, it, it starts off really small, and but yet so true. Like Jordy's like. Why even going out with that girl? You're you're not basically saying you're a freaking loser with women. And then I think Wesley says, like, well, at least I don't go into the holodeck looking for mine. And you're like, oh, my God.
0: He says, yeah, he says, I don't have to find my women on the holodeck. That was actually a really good thing. And actually, now this is the third reference to Jordy's holodeck. (laughs) Romance, because Barclay—he mentioned it to se- Barclay, yeah, right? Yeah, so it's in season three. We're getting quite a few, uh, quite a few references to this. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I wouldn't
1: have. Yeah, I. How did that even get around? I mean, I, I thought, did Picard blab? <laughs>
0: I think the cl- you know it's so far. I think it's just something that Georgie probably like. He actually owned up to it. it. Wow. He might have owned up to it. I mean, he says to Barkley, in the one scene, he says, you know, believe me. I mean, like, I know what it's like. I, f- I think he actually says like something like, I fell, I fell in fell love
1: on the holiday. Yeah. On the holiday, yeah, so comes he's, off really he's
0: recouping from this this experience, and it's pretty. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty deep cut there uh, from uh, Ensign Crusher. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and then there's the. It was actually cool to see a bar brawl, so to speak. Um, At ten floors, that
1: was awesome.
0: Yeah, I don't know if it was you know too cheesy that Chief O'Brien is the the star. He starts it. No, I don't think so.
1: I think it's perfect.
0: <laughs> it felt. I like that like, yeah. like an old episode of Star Trek. It did feel like an old episode of Star Trek, and in many ways, that's actually a great. Uh, to bring some elements from the original series into an episode about a character from the original series, you know? So, yeah. Uh, kudos again to the team of writers that that did this. Um, I really love the scene, uh, the performance, you know? There's this, like, nice little, you know, not... The episode's actually, I guess, a bottle episode if you think about it, right? Like, there's... We don't really see any other... Planets or locations. No. So it all takes place aboard the. Yeah, you just ship
1: see that that set where the Lagarans are going to be
0: right. lounging about I, in. I looked real quickly and I couldn't find a picture of them, so you might have to be the. Can I share? Yeah, I you, yeah, If you if you use that, remember we've done this before. So if you on the remember. left side, there's the little green screen with an arrow.
1: Uh huh. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. If you press
0: that, and it gives you a few options to go window or screen. You choose the window that it's on. Oh, okay. And then you
1: have
0: to, and then you have to present to everyone.
1: All right. Well, then
0: let us see if it works. Oh, the doctor's navigating today. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, while you while you look that up, um, the scene in uh, Ten Forward, uh, not well, yeah, Ten Forward when they're having the musical performance and Sarek ends up showing up after Picard, you know. Has that nice moment where he, um, we kind he kind of goes and asks Parent if she'll consider coming. Um, a couple things that I loved about that um, at the time it mentions. Uh, Do you jo- see Joshua? It? Oh yeah! Now you gotta hit present to everyone. Oh, that I is at the top of your. Sc- there you go. Oh no, you gotta hit. Nope. Now you're showing me. Oh, okay. Let me go back. <laughs> All right. Up at the top of your Google Hangout mm-hmm. screen, there should be a little green thing that says "Present to Everyone." It doesn't say that. No, it doesn't. Oh, okay. Well, let's just let's go ahead and keep talking while we look at it.
1: Okay. Well, yeah, that's that's that that's an artist. That I believe that's from a comic book, because the Lagaren show up in a comic book apparently, in one of the DC comics. So,
0: really cool. Yeah. They look okay. like a Komodo dragon, sort of.
1: Yeah, they do. All right. I've stopped sharing, right?
0: Yeah, you're good. Okay. Um, anyways, of course that scene's important because Sarah cries in that scene. But one thing that I liked is uh, that Data mentions, you know, like he did in, a, in the holodeck where he was emulating Kenneth Branagh's performance, he mentions two contemporary uh, violinists, uh, Joshua Heifetz and Yehudi Menuhin, uh, among others that I didn't I didn't recognize, but I thought that was a little delightful thing to to hear the names of at the time uh, well-renowned uh, and still today uh, solo violinists. Performers. Oh, cool! Okay. Yeah, yeah, very cool little thing. I know. Very I know classy. Like, huh?
1: Very classy.
0: Very classy. Of course, we know that they use classical music because. It's uh, it's part of the public domain, much of it, so it's it's okay. <laughs>
1: I I will I will refrain from going on my tirade about why is there no Chuck Berry on Star Trek, but hey, okay. they
0: fix it in Star Trek. We will have to talk about not Chuck Berry, but Roy Orbison, First Contact. Yep. Um, let's see. Um, oh, I love that scene. What did you think of? Uh, so, um. The attache uh, Mendoza, he's a human.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it shows. You know, Sarek, for all his his uh, uh, all the accusations that that he launches at Spock, it was like, you know, why why you're always why are you in Starfleet? All this, you know, why didn't you stay on Vulcan? Uh, Sarek does have seems seems to have a. An affinity for human beings. I mean, certainly his wives, his wives, have mm-hmm. mostly been human. But then there is also, you know, this guy, this character, uh, who, uh, you know, is is privy to something that is extremely private. So it's interesting that he's got a
0: Vulcan and a human sort of running. But what I I found interesting was how Vulcan the performance. Uh, Mendoza was given giving was, and it's an interesting thing. I mean, like it's kind of natural when a human spends enough time around uh, Vulcans, they'll probably start to emulate or adopt Vulcan philosophy and Vulcan uh, way of life. And so, I know, I know we're waiting, and you know, we're all waiting to see Uh-oh. what Star Trek Discovery is going to be like. Oh, but I, knew I think were that's going that way. <sighs> yeah, well, I, I do. I think that's fascinating. And I wonder if. Uh, because I do, that is one thing in the unfortunate trailers <laughs> that I did detect, is that um, uh, the character Michael Burnham does, there does seem to be a Vulcanness to her, and and so I'm curious now. I'm, I'm very curious, actually, to see how that translates uh, into the actual show. What do you think about, um, just if you don't mind, let's have a little Star Trek Discovery moment here. Uh and, and a little bit more. Um, Sarek is a character that we love and has resonated. And he's made it now into several incarnations of Star Trek. This is the first time we see him, obviously, outside of the original series, Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, and unfortunately, because of Mark Leonard's passing, we don't see him again. But we do see the character again in the Kelvin universe. Um, and I thought that was an acceptable performance. You just can't... There's no performance in my mind that can ever succeed Mark Leonard. Mark Leonard is the definitive Sarek and everyone else I'm sorry. (laughs) You're doing a great job and you're doing Yeoman's work, but it's just you're not Mark Leonard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can never you can never realize Sarek in my opinion, in my personal opinion. uh, and if you could, I'd be very impressed (laughs) because in my mind that's a tall order. It is a tall order. Um, But anyways, that being said it was acceptable performance um because it was so small it was a limited performance and i like that <laughs> and now we're gonna have sarek again and so this time though um i love the actor who's playing him but i'm not seeing sarek so maybe i just have to you gotta watch it you know ex- yeah yeah we, we, watch got, we, gotta, watch accept, we
1: gotta watch it you gotta watch it yeah uh, back to 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 and, um you were saying that you know he was very Vulcan in his like in his like. Uh, there's a novel, you know. Th- there's different levels of of, of non-canon, <laughs> and the William Shatner Star Trek novels, I think, <laughs> occupy a special level of non-canon in Star Trek.
0: No, the William Shatner's novels are just—they're canon. They're all canon. They—they're just. I canon. love them,
1: but <laughs> what can I say? Uh, Mendelsohn shows up, and and he's he's mentioned in one of them, and and he—I I believe Spock himself says that he is—he's a human who who is a who has sort of you know adopted the ways of Vulcans, the the teachings of Surak. So mm. so yeah, so. You know, I mean, it go, so this woman, the one who's going to be, the first officer is going to be... S-
0: Sonequa, right?
1: Sonequa, right. I mean, she's someone who obviously is is a human who is making...
0: Oh, wait. The character's name is Michael. The actress is Sonequa. Martin. Oh, okay. Well, the character... But the character, Michael, which I think is cool. She has a uh, man's, what we think of as a man's name.
1: <laughs> right Well she is Then they're saying she's the first uh, human To uh, attend the Vulcan Science Academy mm-hmm. uh, Is that right? That's what I've read and, oh, okay, okay. Um, Which would explain a relationship A close relationship between her and Sarek Because apparently Sarek is a sponsor So you know this show might uh, Even though I believe it's a different You know it's a fresh start for Star Trek uh, it might color some color in some uh, insight into Sarek and his views on humanity and you know his affinity for humans. Um,
0: and then- hes in the trailer he does seem harsh on her too though, so that's intriguing as well. so yeah, there's a there's a few things that that we'll have to wait and see right <laughs> right uh. um which yeah Star Trek Discovery is not far away it's a few months away so we're almost there um but I do like that Sarek is a, so my original point with this I think was somewhere along the lines of I do like that Sarek is this kind of like thread throughout all these different incarnations of uh, of Star Trek and it's why do you think the character is so compelling? and Or at least uh, if you would share your feelings, your personal feelings as to what what is it about Sarek ultimately that you think allows him to be a character that's important enough to, to resonate in the minds of the writers of both the Kelvin series and now Star Trek Discovery?
1: Well, two things. I mean, one, just from a story point of view, Sarek is an important element to Spock's origin, because, I mean, if you don't have, you know, in whatever iteration you're going to have of Star Trek, if you're going to have Spock, you've got to have the rebellion against the father figure, and that therein you have Sarek. Uh, Of course, in the Kelvin universe, I mean, you know, obviously it's because we've only had three movies, but, you know, we've really only had a Sarek with respect to to that to that plot point, which is that he has to be in it in order for Spock to rebel against. Uh, with the original universe, we had a lot more material. We had a lot more instances of Sarek. I mean, we saw Sarek, you know, pretty much become almost like a I don't know this this figure that successive Starfleet our Federation presidents would always, you know, seek advice from, you know. I mean, he just became this, this, this larger-than-life figure in the Federation.
0: And, and he even, well, and the, that relationship actually, like, it seems like it continues uh, into Enterprise where the Vulcans themselves take on... Kind, Sarah kind of embodies this idea well, that the Vulcans... an oh.
1: Enterprise, the Vulcans and the humans are quite combative. So.
0: Right, but what I mean to say is that father-son rebellion uh, that we see through from Spock and Sarek—it's kind of more like the humans and the Vulcans in, mm-hmm. in Enterprise. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and I think it's I think it's because, well, in many ways, uh, as much as we love Spock, you think of when you meet Sarek in the original series, you're like, oh shit, like mm-hmm. that guy's like, like badass <laughs> like, right, you're right. like well spock's pretty cool and logical and emotional and accomplished and like impressive but then you meet his father who like he's kind of in the shadow of right in many ways you know and even in this episode they say that you know you're accusing the greatest man of his time of losing of losing his mind on the eve of his greatest triumph and you cannot explain why mendoza poses that question to Picard, and so, like you know, that kind of establishes uh, in that one line, Sarek's prominence in the Federation and and in in the the success of the Federation itself.
1: Yes, absolutely, and uh, and again, that I mean, you know, you're talking about the impression he makes in, in journey to, to Babel. I mean, that all comes again. We go back to the actor. It's the actor, man. I mean, um, it's a, it's a, it's just he was just, he really embodied that role well and it's its very hard to to recast and to find somebody, I mean we, we see it all That's the time true. look at Doctor Who, I mean we, you know we, we could say that, you know uh, some are less successful than others because it's just <laughs> very hard to follow in the footsteps of someone who's so good I mean, um uh, James Bonds, you know? I mean, I know people who refuse to watch Daniel Craig because they say, yeah, no way. That guy's, oh you know, those people who don't watch Roger Moore because it's like, oh, they can't even compare to Sean Connery. So, I think Mark Leonard is, is. I mean, we're obviously going to have multiple Sarek's. Um, he's still, he's the original and he's the best. I mean, it's He's the Sean Connery I mean, of, of sex, right. I guess. Right. You know. Um.
0: Do, do you think that, like, when an actor performs a role so well, was there ever a, Was it... I mean, I guess... I don't know. Uh, it's a tough question, but... Do you retire the uniform, so to speak? <laughs> you know, like, do you retire the character, and when when you get a performance that's so amazing, but then we'd never have another Sherlock Holmes series because, as far as I'm concerned, Jeremy Brett finished it. You know, like right, <laughs> right, you know, exactly. So, but that's just, I guess, my own personal persona is that I, I feel like this sort of like fierce attachment when I to to an actor's performance. There's something about like. When it, when an actor becomes the character, and I feel like this is in, in the case of Sarek, uh, you know, for me it's hard to, to to validate other Sarek performances after after the intimacy that I have with the and love that I have for the Mark Leonard performance. So yeah, it's it's a tough one for me. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm
1: thinking right now, oddly enough, Desmond Llewellyn is Q, who played that part for like through f- you know almost 20 films I think and like five different bonds and then when he finally passed away there was like this big question mark of what do we do I mean they were kind of like you know they, they kind of had John Cleese there as R and to kind of like <laughs> take over but it never really clicked that well and then you had but, a but couple of... But
0: you'll notice of, they, they retired Q he no, was R you know right but then they brought yeah, when they rebooted
1: yeah. it they brought back and they waited a few movies before they introduced a like, new cue, and and so I mean yeah you do have certain actors that just to, just well, command and take. And, I guess you know.
0: you're right, and I guess to that respect, enough time has gone by. I mean, like Sarek, Sarek the character deserves to live on, and so so yeah, I think that's that's important.
1: Now we, we've we've spoken a lot about about Sarek, but you know the the other you know it's a it's the other guy we got to talk about is Patrick Stewart, who <laughs> rises to to the occasion. Um, you know, the last episode, I was saying how everybody was just sort of on autopilot. We can't accuse anybody of being on autopilot in this episode, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and you know, it, even though it's this episode is really about Sarek, it's a it's a, it's a Picard episode in a, in many ways. It's Picard coming to finally, you know, meet well, see Matt briefly met him but to sort of, you know, reconnect with with somebody who to whom he admired for so long and to participate on a mission with him and then
0: he had this like awesome kind of idea that as captain he would have the privilege of like, you know, uh, having a few conversations with Sarek, you know, and dining with him. Right. And perhaps, even, perhaps even getting, you know, uh, some insights or anecdotes or things like that. And, and it was, uh, yeah, he, he really laments that he couldn't have that relationship. But then he ends up getting something much deeper. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, and even Sarek warns him, he's like, um, mind melds are, hor- he says something like terrifyingly intimate or horrifyingly intimate. mm mm-hmm. um, Yeah, (laughs) Let's talk about that for a moment Now, Sarek mind melded With Kirk, so does that mean Now that Picard sort of has been Upgraded with the memories Of not just Sarek, but also I think there's different forms
1: of mind meld No, because nothing Sarek left nothing of himself In Kirk, I think This mind meld You know, he's obviously transferring He's able to transfer Which is Sort of interesting, extraordinary. extraordinary. Yeah. <laughs> He's able to transfer this emotional torment that he has into Picard, and then you know I, I think some of the most powerful moments of the episode are Picard with uh, with with Crusher, you know, at his side, um, enduring this 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 emotional maelstrom for someone else. I mean, it's, it's, it's a mind-boggling concept when you think about it. you know, Well, he
0: he, cho- he chose the danger. Right. Um, <laughs> but it's extraordinary. It's an
1: extraordinary sacrifice. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because you... You know, sometimes you watch an episode and you're like, well, but why does it have to be that character? Who else but Picard could have done that? I mean, he... That's true. Not only is he doing it because he feels a special... Admiration for Sarah, but he's doing it also because he's the captain. He's 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 the one that's got to do it. He has to. He has to. Yeah. And and I I just I I really felt those scenes were, were very very powerful. And and then you know just knowing that that you know of all the people that he chose, you know
0: Crusher is the one who's there by his side. It's really a beautiful moment. Actually, it's very touching when she. Uh, Holds him, and he snaps out of the Seric mind for a moment, and comes back into his own mind. And he's just like Beverly. It's so difficult, and she's like, you know, Jean Luc just, just experience it. Like, right? That's they're on, okay. they're on first name bases. Just, yeah. That uh, they're they're, yeah. they're using
1: first names at that point. You know, mm-hmm. no ranks. There, it's just two human beings, and and you know, it's it's a small part she barely says anything but it, it speaks volumes of the relationship that crusher and picard have i mean that she's the one that's there i don't think it's just because she's the doctor
0: i mean it helps that it she's helps, the doctor
1: but i think but but i think it's also
0: that, that it's it's beverly it was an appropriate choice because it could there is a i, I can see a scenario where counselor troy is in that seat
1: but they don't you have know? that
0: relationship right so yeah, it's a it's a very fitting choice to, right. to do that. That's the thing
1: mm-hmm. is is that yeah, it's absolutely true. It could have been Troy, but um, but it's not. It, it has to be Crusher. Um. So so yeah, I I, I think Picard. I think Patrick Stewart did, did a, a really rose to the occasion, and
0: the the two actors do uh, an interesting kind of. And I I don't know if it's uh you know. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but all I could sense was that Mark Leonard was playing uh, Patrick Stewart's Picard at times, especially he's just refer- the way he's number one, mm-hmm. you know, number one in Riker. And then also, I love also that like Mark Leonard again. I know Patrick Stewart was amazing too because he does the same thing where he adopts the Sarek performance, if you will, and he does a good job of adopting that as well. But what I like is that. You know, you do see him totally come back to being Sarak as we knew him in the original series and in the films. Like, in that at the end scene when he's about to go into the negotiations with the Laguerrans, he's just completely Sarak of Vulcan as we've always known him. And I love that Mark Leonard can just pull that off. Like snap so into effortlessly. it. Effortlessly. Yeah, just snap into it. It's just like very well done. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and yeah. then again, with, with like you don't expect Picard and like when he cries like those look like pa- I don't know what was how they did that if it was rigged or if Patrick Stewart is able to cry on command. Oh those of course like, he can. He's an actor those, man. Those are like but those are like Patrick epic Stewart. tears. They're like beautifully it was a beautifully filmed scene also with the in the darkness there and oh, yeah, it doesn't yeah. seem it seems like we're seeing something on a different level for, for Patrick Stewart as well. Like I feel like there was definitely like something new for him as a performer here because it's such an odd it's such a bizarre uh thing to think about too is like to have the mind of another person temporarily living inside of your your own mind mm-hmm. it, it's like how do you translate that into something that's convincing and they both uh, stuart sells it beautifully it's yeah. it's wonderfully one, wonderfully executed
1: um, <laughs> you know, in, interesting to note is, you know, you know, you just said, you know, Sarek sort of, you know, is warning Picard about the mind meld. But, you know, the, the mind meld is sort of very, it's, it's very cavalierly used in the original show and, and in, like you just said, in the movies. I
0: must have your thoughts. Right. <laughs> okay. But with Next
1: Generation, we, we sort of see... The establishment of the idea that the mind meld is not something you just d- casually do, mm-hmm. and and on Enterprise there's actually an ongoing storyline where it's true. and of course Enterprise being set before all this, where Vulcans sh- are actually shun people who in- indulge who engage in mind melds, and there's actually a disease. There's a a a neurological condition that is that comes about from mind melts, from and and T'Pol gets it gets it, and the Vulcans have no the Vulcans have no they they don't want to they they don't do research on it because they feel that that's that's done by unclean people and. (gasps) And, and Flocks has to sort of, like, uh, convince... Well, I, I have I know this doctor who... He's doing research on it. Do you have any research? But he doesn't want to admit that it's for T'Pol because then she would be taken off the ship. She'd should be, should be shamed. She'd be shamed, right. and uh, it's... it's So, it's interesting to see that it's, it's considered to be kind of taboo in the time of Enterprise, but then by the time we get to... Uh, Kirk and company you know Spock's doing it left and right but I mean is that because again you know is it because it's something he learned from Sarek and Sarek is such a rebel himself because obviously Sarek is quite a rebel in his own way with Vulcans among
0: Vulcans I mean um, you, I, you know I, I think that's fascinating I don't recall personally I don't recall that you know, that's a neat little uh, thing that Enterprise does. I, and I like it, actually, because I, I you, mind melds do seem like they're serious things. Especially yeah, after like, Star Trek Six. <laughs> oh, God.
1: The, the, but the it, double-handed mind meld. mind meld. I'll never forget that. Yeah, I'm like,
0: what it, the fuck? It is fascinating, but I do see why. I like the idea that because of their positions... To Paul, Spock, and Sarek are, have to use mind melds more often than a Vulcan probably would. Um, you know, I mean, like, it's so integral to the Horda um, story that Spock mind melds with the Horda in that scene. That's one of the ones I remember being really intense, like, you know, where he, like, feels the emotions and, like, things like that. And But there have to be repercussions. Like, you said now that you don't think that part of Kirk is, in fact, transferred, but I I would argue, because there's a bit of mysticism in the mind meld as well, and I would argue that while I don't think that the mind of Kirk went into Sarek, certainly certain memories of Kirks are now a part of Sarek, and those are now a part of Picard, and that's what I meant by Picard gets an upgrade. I mean, like, (laughs) like, you know what I mean? It's like you're already... He does! It's kind of like, oh, wow, why do I have this strange memory of this tactical uh tactical response that I never participated in you know like you know it I can only imagine it enhances him as a captain to have a little bit of kirk <laughs> We could all use a little bit of kirk So so in generations
1: Picard is able to help him cook because he remembers that exactly. from Exactly
0: Yep Right That's the that's the beauty of it, okay. it, it it happens again. Anyway, <laughs> we're going to the book. Yay! Going to the book. Um. What? <laughs> oh no, we had another, oh, another what moment.
1: After being written out of yesterday's Enterprise, Mark Leonard here reprises the role he first played in 1967's Journey to Babel. He was in yesterday. Who's going to be in yesterday's Enterprise? I didn't know that. Tell us more. Wow, I didn't know that. His appearance is the first major unifying event tying together the old and new Trek eras since McCoy's cameo in Farpoint. Mm -hmm. Um, According to Michael Pillow, the original story concerned the mental problems of an ambassador other than Sarek. From there, the writing staff moved to the problems of the aging, then added the Vulcan loss of control and the telepathic bleeding. Using Sarek was the last logical step in maximizing the audience involvement and impact. Um, mm. Yeah, it talks about you know it's a brilliant portrayal. He praises Mark Leonard, um, and uh, oh, he said. Oh, interestingly enough, uh, though Sarek's famous son Spock is later seen to be very much alive. Baer recalled a battle at the time, just to mention the character at all. Wow. With caution still in place about dealing with the original series. Picard says he attended the wedding of Sarek's son as a lieutenant, though again, Spock is not specified. So they were so worried of mentioning anything of the old show they didn't even right,
0: want Yeah. They hadn't resolved what happens to Spock yet. Star Trek 6 wasn't even out. I don't even know if Star Trek 5 was out at this point, but um, that makes complete sense. It's like the original guard is saying, ah, 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 don't touch. Right. Next gen, don't touch. Uh, interesting challenge, but it, Spock is mentioned in the uh, scene where Captain Picard is uh, processing uh, Sarek's emotions. Remember, he he mentions that he he mentions Amanda and he mentions Spock. It's just one mention, and then he says I really did love or do love you, um, which is a very poignant moment. Very yeah. Gene, Gene Roddenberry. Um, that reminds me, and I think I read this also, and I don't know if it's in the companion, but it's on Memory Alpha. But uh, they kind of, uh, it kind of was a little bit of a parallel to Gene Roddenberry himself losing his faculties and his health was starting to diminish, and so oh, yeah. it was kind of poignant in some ways for the for the people working on Star Trek. To do this episode because it it hit close to home. They all thought this is Gene. In a way, yeah, it's true, right? Um, So that's an interesting like personal note there, um, or inside note, I guess it would be um, that I thought was pretty cool.
1: Right? No, absolutely. That's that's that that that, that's that's a good point. Gene Roddenberry, I guess, was already uh, yeah he was already in, in, in I think in failing health at this point. So, so there were definitely parallels there, for sure.
0: Well, that's cool. I think. Uh, what do you think? Is it time to give our uh, episode ranking for this? Rating, oh, not ranking. We don't rank. Where we're rating.
1: Uh, this is this is a easy ten. Is an easy ten. It's. Boom. Yeah, it, it's a. It's interesting to give a ten to an episode that is so. It's it's not a fun episode. It's right. it's not an episode that you know has any doesn't have battles it's, uh, or anything. It's not it's it's just that we I think as fans, I think all Trek fans, most Trek fans who grew up with the original show would have some strong emotional connection to this episode and uh, yeah, it's sort of a turning point really for for next generation to finally, you know make the connection like a really strong connection to the old show. It's kind of like when um, I'm trying to think of like when doctor who, oh, when when Doctor Who, they finally had that notebook that had all the drawings of the previous doctors mm-hmm. in it and they're like, mm-hmm. oh my God, okay, Doctor Who, those two shows do connect. Uh so
0: Dr Do- Who and Star Trek are kind of in an interesting uh situation I think. Uh you touched on fandom for a second there and you know both of these shows have been around for a very long time um and I wonder now uh cuz online I, I try to stay away from it but it's pretty it's pretty hard to when you're You know, online right now these days, when you explore the Star Trek Discovery hashtag and things like that, and there seems to be a lot of friction. Um, There's some groups of folks that say if you don't uh, kind of, you know, that they're they're already rejecting Star Trek Discovery, and and I can see why, Uh, (laughs) because like part of me is rejecting Star Trek Discovery based on the the things we've seen so far, and like the implications of certain things Well, but you gotta watch um, it though to truly no i no i totally agree yeah, i'm not you know. i'm not in that camp at all i'm not okay. like all right say, yeah i'm not in that camp at all i'm 100 percent in agreement with you and i'll probably end up liking it <laughs> like knowing me uh personally but uh but we'll see you know i'm still holding out but there's this kind of like anger i think where some there's a lot of bullying going on online and it just doesn't seem very... To me, it's like, if you're a Star Trek fan, there's, like, a bigger thing above you Who's bullying who? Bu- what do you mean? Just like a lot of people on the internet, there's there's a lot just of people like, oh, you're not... Yeah, like, you're not a real fan because you're this, or you're not a real fan because you like this, or you're not... A, you know, like, these kinds of, that's, like, that's, accusations. That's it's been like, happening forever.
1: Has it? There were people who, uh, when Next Generation came out, they were like, oh... You know, you're not a real fan if you don't watch Next Generation. And then there are people who didn't want to watch Next Generation. I mean, there were there were members, there were actors from the original show who actively were encouraging fans not to watch Next Generation. Remember? Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, that. Yeah, no, on, on the, in I don't the, the convention circuit. Yeah, people were like, "Don't watch that." <laughs> you know, wow. because I think they were seeing they it. They felt, of course, they felt. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they felt like you know they were getting the rug pulled out from them because it's like you know, for all you know, like as we said with our last uh, movie thing, you know, Star Trek Four was the last time that Kirk and crew were Star Trek, uh, just in and of themselves. All of a sudden, after Star Trek Four, you've got Next Generation, and they're huge, and they probably had a ton of fans that were not fans of the original, just as. You know, there's fans. Apparently, there are people who watch the new movies and don't watch the original show. So, or any of the original shows, for that matter. So that's just that's just natural. That's just the way it is. Doctor Who's always I mean, been that way too. I mean, yeah,
0: it makes sense. There's both shows. Also, since I was comparing the two shows, both shows do have several entry points. Right. Uh, exactly. For people, mm-hmm. so that makes sense too. Star Trek has, you know, a few entry points as well. Um, quite a few, actually. I know, I know, folks that are curious about other Trek, but like many, I, I happen to have a few friends who really adore Star Trek Voyager and don't know much more about Star Trek Beyond, Star Trek Voyager. So it is true there, there are different kind of subcultures, if you will, among the, the thing. I think the key course-
1: is, like you said, there's lots of entry points, but. Are the entry points backwards compatible to what's already gone on before? And I personally believe that's what's critical. I think that's what's important. And oftentimes, entry ports are entry points, as you said, are made that are not backwards compatible. You can't say, okay, like Voyager. It's very easy to watch Voyager and then watch Next Generation. They're stylistically everything yeah. they they're 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 just they go well together. The original show, you know, you're starting to make a stretch there, but you still can see the basic elements going from Voyager to the original show. Now, here's my question is are we gonna watch Discovery? Which is obviously a new entry point is that going to be backwards compatible to Voyager DS9 next generation the original show the movies I don't know we have to see yeah.
0: Enterprise seemed to pull it off
1: Enterprise pulled it off very well but Enterprise is it was a continuation of the same machinery it was the same production crews it was the same you know it was pretty much the same people uh, it was the same house Style making those shows. Obviously, with Discovery, it's a whole new, you know, from scratch. I mean, there's Nicholas Meyer. Maybe that. I mean, I don't know. We gotta see. I'm, I'm gonna watch that show. I'm just. Obviously, first, it's a science fiction show, and you know, do I like it or do I not? But secondly, how does it fit into Star Trek? Because, from what I've seen so far, it doesn't readily fit into Star Trek it's sort of like yeah. how do I it's, it's how I approach Doctor Who now so, you know I can watch Doctor Who I don't necessarily think as, of it as
0: he wears his Doctor Who shirt right don't. right I, I mean <laughs> I, I, I think of it as the time traveler
1: right but sometimes I think well does it fit into Doctor Who or does it not you know and that's how uh, my appreciation of it is filtered through is is how, how, how well does it connect with
0: what's already happened so we'll see the more i struggle with the the sort of like idea that like the original series which i hold sacred is about to be like completely like ignored or negated um i realize that it's kind of an irrational struggle because you've you've made me realize that like yeah i haven't even seen this thing and i'm just kind of worried is what it is and uh you know, maybe my worries are, are are unsubstantiated, or maybe I was in the throes of Ponfar and had a vision of uh, Star Trek Discovery uh, and it wasn't, <laughs> it, it was a Romulan trick. Um, but <laughs> but anyway, <Yeah>, right? Doctor, <laughs> I am excited. I can't wait till we get there. Um, that's a, a really good point. Um, yeah, so it might actually, Discovery might prove to be beyond an entry point, but an actual re telling as well it might be a brand new uh take on star trek now one last question cuz this is something i think about deeply mm-hmm. um we have to also remember that this is not so if you think about it star trek there's only a few shows that are like following the story of the enterprise and that's enterprise the original series Star Trek: The Next Generation. That's it. Those are our three. Kind, that's like the pillar or the spine of the series, if you will. Um, yeah, I guess Enterprise does get that distinction. <laughs> oh yeah, it's uh, I, it's, a, it's an Enterprise story. Right. So uh, otherwise, we have a Voyager story. We have um, a Deep Space Nine, you know, story. These are all expansions. And Discovery is trying to do the same thing. It's not trying to be a Star Trek like an Enterprise story so this is definitely like an ancillary uh thing in my mind because it's about the discovery it's a whole new whole new thing uh so it i think that's a, a good way for me to like look at it and remind myself not to go to it's not to get too worried about what's gonna what the show's gonna look like or feel like mm-hmm. or anything like that because it's not at the end of the day what I consider to be sacred is the Enterprise stories. You can only go forward, or retell it like you did in Kelvin. Like you can't do much harm. You know, you can't do much harm to that story.
1: Interesting.
0: <laughs> something else. You're something you're you're, tr- you're
1: putting a further. You're putting another layer now on, on what's canon. What it, if it's not on the Enterprise? <laughs> Is not really <laughs>
0: canon. No, I don't know Zang. if I'm going that far. I don't know if I'm going that far, but I'm saying I can. I can now be selective about what <laughs> what discover. I can. I can be a little selective here. You know, have a selective memory or a selective uh, <laughs> loyalty, if you will. Um. Anyways, <laughs> that's all I've got to say about that. Anything you, you, else, Doctor? You
1: realize that. That episode, when when we do our review, our conversation <laughs> of that first Discovery episode, it's going to be like three or four hours.
0: <laughs> no, we got to keep it. We, we just we spoke for keep... an
1: hour and I don't have my glasses on, but I think it's an hour and 18 minutes about Sarek.
0: <laughs> We've got to try to keep our discussions to about it relatively an hour. I, I mean, it's special. We might go two hours for that. We'll see. <laughs> my prediction is
1: going to be three hours.
0: No, no, and
1: twenty-two uh, minutes.
0: <laughs> wow, my prediction is an hour and thirty.
1: Unless it's absolutely t- no, no, no. Even if it's terrible, it's going to be three hours. It's a three-hour discussion. It's a Three-hour discussion. <clears throat> the
0: weather started getting rough. The tiny ship was lost. If not for the spirit of their fearless crew, the minnow would be lost. The wow. minnow would be lost. What if Star Trek discovers Gilligan's Island in space? I would really have loved that. Anyways, on that note, Doctor, <laughs> live long and prosper. Peace live and long life. Peace and long life, sir. <laughs>